You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Welcome back, folks, to Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame Athletics podcast. Today's episode, I will be recapping Notre Dame's win over Miami. Then Ryan and I will cover the defensive line depth chart, how we think it will project in the spring. Wrapping up the show with a draft profile for guard Tommy Kramer. Before we get to that, I am Joe DeLeon, former college long snapper from the University of Rhode Island. And my co-host is Ryan Roberts, the director of scouting at NFL Draft Bible. So folks, Notre Dame wins another game, continuing their streak after their win over Duke. They beat Miami 71-61. to And I know this game looks like Notre Dame beat them pretty handedly, but it's actually worth noting this was not a very characteristic game offensively for Notre Dame. They, at times, and it also, especially during the first half, it really just felt like Notre Dame could not pull away. They were down at one point by five points. They ended up locking it up 31-31 at halftime, but it just felt like they continuously were doing enough to maintain the lead, but weren't putting the pedal down to the floor to accelerate past Miami. That ultimately allowed Miami on numerous occasions to fight their way back into it, stay close. And what I mean by that Notre Dame wasn't accelerating and putting the pedal down It just felt like Miami wasn't really doing a whole lot, and they were staying close with Notre Dame. And we know, and we've highlighted and talked about how Notre Dame is very clearly the more competitive team in this matchup. Despite that, though, Notre Dame was was willing to let Miami stay close in this game. Not a characteristic game from the three-point line. 24%, 7 for 29. And it was very, very clear throughout this contest that they just were not finding their shots. There were just a lot of offensive possessions where they would chuck up shots and then get offensive rebounds only to miss another shot. So a lot of inconsistencies shooting the ball. A big reason why they were able to win was simply just being a lot better than Miami was. Uh, The other big thing here is Miami shot terribly from the free throw line, 57%, 12 for 21. If they hit a higher percentage, it might have been a much closer game had it not been for that. Uh, Big top performers that I want to highlight from this performance, uh, uh, Jogo here in this game, 18 points, and then he was two for three, from the three-point line, Leshevsky, 14.7 rebounds. Uh, and then Dane Goodwin has the double-double, 11 points and 11 rebounds. So Notre Dame now, with this victory, puts them in an even stronger position in the ACC standing. So we talked a lot about in the last few shows on why a, a victory now for Notre Dame what it would mean for their projection going forward and why the fact that they need to continue to win basketball games in this clump of five games that I've continuously talked about, they could only really lose one. And now that they've uh, now that they've won this game here and that they've improved their record now nine and ten on the season, six and seven, 
They are right up against Duke. They've passed over Pittsburgh, who didn't do very well in the in the past week. So that pushes them up a spot to ten. Duke is at six and six. Notre Dame is at six and seven. Georgia Tech six and six. So Notre Dame does not have the tiebreaker there. And then right above them is Syracuse, North Carolina, and Clemson is actually starting to gradually pull away. And that was one of the teams that I had previously mentioned as being one of the ones that Notre Dame need to possibly swing at and try and knock down. But instead, they did move up one spot. They are at 10. Hypothetically speaking, if Duke continues to struggle, which they look like crap right now, they do not look good. If they lose another basketball game, Notre Dame's going to push right past them. And that puts them in that nine spot. The thing that really screws them up right now is the fact that they lost to Georgia Tech. Because had they beaten Georgia Tech, they would be above both of these teams. They would be two spots higher above Georgia Tech and Duke. But because they they didn't maintain that lead, that ultimately does kill them. So Wednesday, though, is the next game. That is going to be an important one because it's playing against this Clemson team who, as I've mentioned, is starting to create a a gap between the middle pack of the ACC as they currently have a 7-5 record. This is going to be a really important matchup, and we're going to preview this game on the the next episode that we have, which is going to be the Tuesday episode uh, coming up. And... Right after they play Clemson, they then play Syracuse, who is right behind Clemson in the standings at 6-5. and five. So if they can win both of those games, maybe one of them, it is definitely going to help out their continued outlook currently in the ACC. Coming up, we will do our next position group preview for spring ball. Before we get to that, though, folks, let's talk about Bet Online. Bet Online has the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV, real time updated odds, and props on almost anything that you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all of the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, and make sure to use that promo code locked on. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all of the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. And also, folks, hit that subscribe button for for us as well. And please leave a five-star review. So, Ryan, let's get into the next position group that we're going to hit on for projecting how we believe it's going to look during spring ball. So you've got a crap ton of names here. I joked with you earlier that this is going to take 45 minutes to get through. One deep would have been sufficient, but you decided to go too deep. Let's, let's hear all the stuff that you have for us. Joe, it's going to go by really quick. Okay, I needed to cover my bases here because we'll be very honest here. Cincinnati under Marcus Freeman played a lot more three-man front with a couple rush backers, 
Notre Dame has been a traditional four-man front over the last couple years, so I wanted to kind of cover a little bit of all bases just in case maybe he adopts a little bit of the principles that Notre Dame already had in place. So in theory here, okay, so we're going to say that we're working with a three-man down line defensive tackles. We have two returning in Kurt Heinisch, who I have down as our nose guard. He's going to beat up centers. Myron Tungvaloa Amosa, who's going to be our weak side defensive end, quote-unquote. He's a defensive tackle. In actuality, he's going to play a ton of three-tech. And then I wanted to throw another defensive tackle in there as a down lineman. I'm going to throw in Jason Adam Alola, who's been a guy that Notre Dame fans have been excited about for a long time out of New Jersey. Has had some spurts of playing time, but has not been able to, to, uh, to really grab onto a significant role. So in this theory... I'm putting Jason in, and we're going to say that he's going to have the breakout that everybody's been anticipating. The backups for each position, I had Jacob Lacey in at nose behind Kurt Heinisch. Um, and then I also had Riley Mills working in both in the strong side and weak side defensive end. I think he's a very flexible player that can play in a multitude of spots. I wanted to add in a couple, a couple outside linebacker rushes. They're edge players in this system. So in theory, even if we're running a four-man front, these are still going to be our defensive ends. So as our rushbacker, who's going to be the weak side linebacker, your best pass rusher on the team, I have who I think is going to be the breakout star of Notre Dame next season. Guy that actually had like four and a half sacks this year as a part-time player, Isaiah Foskey out of California, who's going to be a, a junior this year, who you're starting to see it. You know, he's blocking punts. He's getting some sacks and mop-up duty and in, in, um, some, spare, uh, some playing time there behind a couple talented defensive ends. I think Isaiah Foskey is going to burst onto the scene. He was a guy that played mostly tight end and a little bit of defensive end in high school. Now that he's really just focusing in on the defensive end position, he is starting to flourish, and I think that he's due for a big breakout. And then a Sam Backer, which in this defense, in actuality, is another guy that's going to rush the passer more often than not. So for there, I had Justin Adam Alola. I feel like with all the players that left this offseason, namely um, – Namely, the two defensive ends in the draft, Khalid Kareem and, of course, Adi Ogandiji. We also had a transfer. I feel like the writing's kind of on the wall that Justin is going to play a ton for Notre Dame next year. A couple of the talented pass rushers behind them, younger guys, both sophomores or redshirt freshmen. I believe they both maintained the redshirt ability for this past year, even though they both played. Alexander Ehrensberger is a guy that I'm really excited about. I have him as the backup rush behind Isaiah Foskey. For me, he's six foot six plus high upside player out, out of Germany that really started to fill out his body last year as a true freshman. And then backing up Justin Adamalola, I have Jordan Botello, who actually also had a blocked punt during his freshman year, played a lot of special teams, really talented player, a little bit of an undersized pass rusher, but I think he can do a little bit of things in space. And I think that with those depth pieces, Notre Dame's defensive line is a lot deeper than people might anticipate and might expect. And I'm expecting a big things from this unit in 2021. Yeah, and I think the one thing that is going to not really hold us up, but is, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this because I don't want to say complicate, but like the one thing that we have to really see what's going to happen here is the alignment that Marcus Freeman decides to run with this group. Because one thing you have to consider is that even though while at Cincinnati, he was running a three-man front, that doesn't mean that overnight he's just going to flip it to a three-man front here at Notre Dame. Very often, more often than not, coordinators will recognize what is going to work well with the personnel. So he might he might come in and say, Ryan, we're going to stick with the four, a four-man front and maybe run a variant of um, some of the stuff we did in Cincinnati 
with various packages because he doesn't want to just straight up run into um, changing things up when he doesn't yet have the recruits to play with with the with the the scheme that he did at Cincinnati. Right. He has to get his guys in place. And I mean, for all argument's sake here, this is just talking about base downs, right? Like this is your base defensive front. This is your base defensive scheme. In actuality, if you watch Cincinnati, my Jay Sanders is coming down on ball. Hey, now that becomes a four-man front. So there's going to be three-man fronts. There's going to be four-man fronts. Hey, against some heavy power running teams, there's going to be some five-man fronts playing some under fronts. It's going to happen. Uh, so just kind of just get that out of your mind that, hey, oh, we're just going to see a three-down line or we're just going to see a four-down line. I think one thing that's for certain with Marcus Freeman, we're going to see a little bit of both. We're going to see uh, blitzes and different movements up front from various spots. I think that what Notre Dame has in store here for him to work with is a lot of talented athletic players like the Adam Alola twins, like Isaiah Foskey, like Jordan Botello, Alex Ahrensberger. Those guys have real, are really athletic players. They have completely different sizes all over the place, which I think can really create a little bit of movement. Whether, you again, you want to pencil this in as a 3-4, I mean not a 3-4, a three-man line or a four-man down line, that you're going to see a multiple front where Coach Freeman is going to scheme up some great pressures. All right, coming up, Ryan, we're going to wrap up with a Tommy Kramer draft profile as, as we've been powering through and discussing all of the Notre Dame draft prospects. We'll probably do another guy this week. Not going to do too many of them uh, during this week, trying to hit two a week. But before we get to that, Ryan, can you talk to our listeners about Built Bar? Well, I'll say it, it, we are recording today on Valentine's Day, and I got a nice little email this morning in the inbox about some Valentine's Day sales. So you know that I forwarded that to my wife because, unfortunately, I'm fresh out. Went through them very quickly. If you have never had Built Bar before, I would highly recommend to the utmost degree the best protein bar on the market, the 12 original flavors if you're originalist, your traditionalist. Coconut almond, raspberry, German chocolate cake, peanut butter, banana bread, mid brownie, salted caramel, a few others, but the best protein bar I still have ever had to date, peanut butter brownie. Six new flavors also to get to even increase the uh, the amount of flavors that they have. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They literally have a flavor to appease anybody out there. All the bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or gal on the go. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in one of these delicious treats. The bars are all low-calorie, low-sugar, but high in protein, high in fiber, and they're also great for the keto diet. One of the bars that I mentioned, like peanut butter, for instance, 19 grams of protein in a single bar, only 180 calories, only 5 grams sugar, only 5 gram net carbs. Coconut almond, cherry barcia, cookies and cream. If you look at these bars, look at the nutritional facts on the back. They're all very similar, which shows that not only are they delicious, they're also good for you. Built Bar has reset the promo code for this relaunch. So now, free cooler with a purchase while supplies last. The limited opportunity, so I would take advantage of it as you can as soon as possible. You can go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKED ON. That's all capital, no spaces locked on. And you'll get 20% off of your next order. Use promo code LOCKED ON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Don't miss the biggest stories from around college football on Monday's Locked On College Football 
Uh, host Candace Cooper interviews the local experts on the biggest stories from around the nation. Get the in-depth analysis and insightful breakdowns from those in the know every Monday on Locked On College Football. Subscribe to Locked On College Football wherever you get your podcast. So we've been doing these draft profiles. We've done two already. Today we're going to do Tommy Kramer, the Notre Dame guard, who is, uh, I think it's pretty safe to say, Ryan, the worst is kind of a mean word, but the, the least talented lineman of the group. So I, I want to hear, I asked for you to provide best traits, but you still managed to populate it with a lot of negatives. So let's just hear your description of him is the best way to lead into this. Man, don't put me on blast, Joe. You just said he was the worst <laughs> offensive lineman on the team. So you just said that. I said I didn't want to say he was the worst, but you did. Well, I will say this. Out of the four offensive linemen that we have in this draft this year, Liam Eichenberg, Robert Hainsey, Aaron Banks, and Tommy Kramer, Tommy Kramer is the least talented. Like, let's call it what it is, which is funny because if you go back to his recruiting profile on every recruiting service from Rivals to 24-7 Sports, Tommy Kramer was the highest-ranked recruit of them. So it's just a little funny how it's just kind of flipped upside down. I think that's kind of a message to the listeners out there. Recruiting recruiting rankings don't always matter. You know, going back to the Wolf Fullers of the world, they're only three-star recruits. For Tommy Kramer, though, there's still some traits to be excited about. Big, super physical player. When he is able to stay in a phone booth, stay within his frame, he can absolutely dominate some players and, and beat up some guys in drive block situations. So there is a lot of intrigue, especially the power running schemes, for a guy like Tommy Kramer. Also has experience as a redshirt freshman at right tackle. So he is a guy that has had played inside-outside, which increases his value. He settled in to right guard over the last couple years, and he had spurts of good film. The biggest problem with Tommy Kramer, though, is – he is not the most tremendous athlete of all time, which is going to hurt his um, scheme versatility. More of just, again, just a gap power scheme that is just really going to limit kind of the projection. But durability has been a concern with him. He's been he's had some durability issues. He's been beaten up at Notre Dame. He's missed some football games. But I still think, though, the traits that you're looking for, physicality, lower body strength, frame. Tommy Kramer is still going to be a player that a lot of NFL teams are going to value especially gap power running schemes that allow him to stay within himself, stay within his frame and beat up on defensive linemen in tight spaces. Right. I think that's the, definitely the best way to describe him. And some people seem to, to value him a lot higher for some reason. And I think it's a lot coming off of the preseason speculation on what he could possibly be. I remember a few years ago, People were projecting him as maybe a first rounder when he was still a young guy, but uh, seventh round is probably what we're hitting on here. Somewhere late day three is realistically what we should expect for his round projection, right? Yeah, he's. I mean, it's funny, like because even I, I started thinking about a guy like Mitch Hyatt a few years ago with Clemson, who was like All American like three straight times, but then he doesn't even get drafted. It's like the accolades don't mean that you're a great football player. And this is the same kind of instance for Tommy Kramer. He came in with a lot of hype. And, I mean, he's made he's been on some All-American lists. He's been a highly touted guy even over the last couple years as a starter. But when you really break down the film, I, I think late round is is where you're settling on here. When you, got, when you combine the limitations that he has with the durability concerns that he needs to answer, seventh round is what my projection is. Some guys that I work with at NFL Draft Bible, that we work with at NFL Draft Bible, do project him a little higher. But I just I think that there are so many limitations that you can't undersell 
the fact that, hey, he's a gap power guard only potentially in a league that is almost exclusively now running inside and outside zone. There are, I mean, we were making a list before the show of how many teams that would, would appeal, that would appeal, um, that Tommy Graham would appeal to. And we came up with like three or four because there's just not a ton of teams that run exclusive gap power scheme anymore. We're talking zone blocking scheme. So I, I think that late day three is probably the best possibility, but I wouldn't be surprised when all is said and done if Tommy Kramer is not drafted. Wow. Wow. That's, that's interesting. If we end up in that, that, uh, that's fear, and I, it feels like more likely than not he does end up getting drafted, like you said. But that would be pretty shocking if he does end up uh, not being selected and being a UDFA. So, Ryan, if we're talking best fits, and the one thing that you kind of came up with here, and you've talked about when you talked about his his profile and who he is as a prospect, that he's a strong, powerful guy. So he's really going to benefit from playing in a scheme that doesn't really ask him to move a whole lot. And I think maybe not in terms of straight comp but we were talking about before the show how Shane Lemieux worked well in the Giants system because he's a really good power run blocker that was all they asked him to do was to block downhill and and smack people but anytime that he had to pass block the dude just can't move his feet and it seems like it's a little similar here to Tommy Kramer that he needs to be in a system that likes to run the football that will allow him to just run people over and then maybe um, he's forced into those situations where he has to to pass block on a, a longer passing down. Yeah, he's a little bit of a weird guy. Because like I mentioned, right tackle experience. But Tommy Kramer is just not a great pass blocker. He doesn't great, have great lateral mobility. One thing he has in comparison to his Shane Lemieux is he is a little bit of a longer player. So, you know, you have that, right? Like he can cover a little more surface area than Lemieux can. The minute that somebody splits a gap against Lemieux, he's dead, he's dead, uh, dead in the water. But for a guy like Kramer, he has a little more ability to, to, um, to, uh, to. I can't think of the word to recover. There we go. Wow. There we go. Dad brain. <laughs> Last day here for the dad brain incident. So I, I think that he definitely has the limitation. We keep talking about best fits. Uh, I think the New York Giants are a good fit, even though Joe tells me they're not going to be in the heavy market for interior offensive linemen. So I guess in theory that will not be a, a tremendous fit with the with the uh, need that they have. Tennessee Titans, for me, was a team that really stuck out with what they've been doing with Derrick Henry over the last couple of years and that power running scheme. I think that would really – I mean, like, nobody thought Isaiah Wilson was going to be a first-round pick last year, and he probably shouldn't have been the right tackle that t- Tennessee Titans drafted. But they valued him so heavy because, hey, he's a big guy, physical right tackle that can play in a power running scheme. Makes a ton of sense. And then the last team that I want to throw out there was the Pittsburgh Steelers. We saw last year Kevin Dotson was drafted by them, the offensive guard. Uh, out of Louisiana and Kevin Dotson for me I didn't value tremendously high but they ended up taking him in the fourth round because he fits that scheme and played pretty well because they asked him to do what he does well I think Tommy Kramer for a Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line that's figured things out because they might be Alejandro Villanueva might be on the way out Marquise Pounce already on the way out there's a lot of questions on that offensive line for Pittsburgh Tommy Kramer I feel like uh, from a schematic perspective from a scheme uh, just from a scheme fit in general and a body profile is a player that the Steelers usually do value. And I really like the Steelers because they are a, a team, as you mentioned, currently on the rebuild with their offensive line, specifically that that group, because, I mean, they had problems at guard. They had problems running the football last year 
uh, because of their offensive line and some injuries to it. So they're probably going to need to either be proactive in free agency or in the draft and selecting a guy like Tommy Kramer later on and, and kind of banking on the fact that maybe he's not ready to start right away or if we can just shove him out there and run the ball as much as possible, like he'll be able to get the job done at a decent rate. I, I think that the Steelers could be a really interesting fit for uh, Tommy Kramer in this draft cycle. Folks, that's going to be it from us on today's episode. Thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to hit that subscribe button to stay up to date on all of our upcoming shows. Give us a five-star review if you enjoy listening to us. Follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon, at Rise and Draft, at Locked on Irish. Additionally, if you're looking for something else to tune into, check out Locked on College Football or Locked on Today. Enjoy the rest of your day, folks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.